What do faithful ministers of the gospel preach? Do they preach a theology? Do they preach some central points of doctrine agreed to among religious men? Look with me in Acts chapter 8. I met with uh, Gary this morning and we were talking about testimonies. And I'm so thankful for the testimonies that are preserved for us in God's Word by His Holy Spirit. And in uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 35, we have the testimony of a faithful minister of the gospel and what it is they preach. We read in verse 35, Then Philip opened his mouth and began at the same scripture and preached to him Jesus. Philip, as in the case with all faithful ministers of the Lord, they didn't preach a theology, and they don't preach a theology. They didn't preach a, a personal opinion. They preach, beloved, the blessed person and saving work of our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ and Him crucified. The, 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 the verse 35 says here that He opened His mouth and preached from the Scriptures. Our Lord says, he that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not on the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. Theology didn't give its life as a ransom to redeem God's people. Doctrines didn't shed any blood for the remission of sins. Beloved, you know this. The salvation is, is found by those who have been made to know Him. And all God's people can say with Paul, I know whom... I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that. All faithful ministers, men sent of God, preach Christ Jesus the Lord. They don't preach themselves. They're not men pleasers. And they're not uh, somebody that's trying to get you to stop doing some things and start doing some other things. They're not sent to try and put your theology in order or put your life in order. They're sent to preach Christ and him crucified. He'll put our lives in order. He'll put our theology in order. All faithful ministers sent of God preach Christ. And I pray this morning that the Lord will enable me to open my mouth and preach to you Jesus. Pray that the Father will teach you the truth as it is in Jesus. That uh, this long chain of my notes, I'll be able to put it aside. I, I don't want to just preach something to you. I want to preach the gospel of my salvation. And not, not to your head. I want to preach it to your heart. This morning, it's my intention to set before God's people the garments of their salvation. Now, Gary read from Isaiah uh, chapter 61, and we read in verse 10, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for He hath clothed me with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness, as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, and as a bride adorneth herself with her jewels. Please open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And we read there in verse 30. Of... Him, of God, are you in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness 
and sanctification and redemption. In this verse, more than any other, I believe, sets forth God's great provision in Christ for the great need of His people. In this verse, more than any other, I pray that the Lord will enable you to see the garments of your salvation. It says here, Christ is made unto us wisdom. But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. Beloved, God has made Christ to be our wisdom. Now, what does that mean? What, is that, what does that mean? Turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and in verse 15 we, re, 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 we read that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus the holy scriptures are able to make these wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus through the preaching of the holy scriptures God makes His people wise unto salvation. Through the light of the gospel, the testimony of Christ, He makes us to see our great need to be saved. From all the sin we are, from the top of our head to the tip of our toes, that's all we are, sin. And He shows that. If God loves you, He'll put you into the light and the countenance of His beloved Son so that you might see that all you are is sin. That you might also see. He won't, he won't keep you just there though. He'll show you that all of your needs have been supplied in his beloved son. And not only that wisdom in seeing our great need. But the wisdom of our heavenly father in appointing his son to be our savior. What a wise thing our heavenly father has done in appointing his son to be the savior of his people. In appointing him, he has appointed someone who shall not fail for he shall save his people from their sins isn't that what the message of the angel of the Lord said to Joseph Matthew chapter 1 we read about Joseph he's I guess he's troubled who wouldn't be his his promised fiance is pregnant with child and the angel of the Lord comes to him and says to him you shall call his name Jesus for he shall save his people from their sins come to try and save his people. He came to save them. If you have believed on him who shall not fail, if you're believing on Christ Jesus this morning, you have believed on someone who is prosperous in all that he does. Look with me in Psalm chapter 1. taught me the gospel, I would read the scriptures and thank you for talking about me. But praise God when he teaches us, we can rejoice in what our, our Lord and Savior said. As it's written in the prophets, they shall all be taught of God and all who hear the Father and learn of him come to me. And when we come to him, we actually believe him. We actually hear him. He said, you search the scriptures to a bunch of religious hypocrites, pretenders who who govern the conscience of God's people, telling them to do this or don't do that. And he told them, you search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, and doing this or not doing that. But he said, the scriptures are they which testify of me. And by God's grace, 
all God's people come to him that they might have life. In Psalm chapter 1, verse 3, it says, He shall be like a plant, uh, like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doth, doeth, shall prosper. Now, let me ask you this question. You think that describes you? <laughs> Don't describe me. Just talk to my wife, Sandra. She'll tell you most of my plans fail. But the Lord Jesus Christ, whatsoever he doeth, prosper. He's a sovereign, successful Savior. And if you're putting your trust in the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, you're putting your trust in someone who shall not fail. Through the gospel of Christ, God not only shows the ability of our Savior to save, but he shows and opens to our view a conviction over our own depravity and sin. Has shown us our desperate need to come to his son, son alone for salvation. Sinner, who else would you come to? Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee, says the psalm. It is He alone that has power in heaven and in earth. In the gospel of Christ, God makes us to see that we must come to Him confessing, if you are willing, you can make it. Through the preaching of Christ, the Holy Spirit makes us, makes Christ to be our wisdom unto salvation. You want to know what my wisdom is? Christ is my wisdom. And that's my answer. (laughs) And for God's people, that's good enough. That's good enough. That's all it is. Let's go back to our text in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. We're continuing now. We're, we're looking at all of these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And they're just filled with so much comfort. They're teaching us that Christ is our all and all in salvation. We just looked at the word wisdom. Beloved, Christ has made unto us righteousness. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us righteousness. Beloved, God has made Christ to be our righteousness. Now, what does that mean? Turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 21, speaking of our Lord and Savior, speaking of our God and Redeemer as a man. And God, for he hath made him to be sin for us, the spotless Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, without any sin, was made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Through the gospel of Christ, God has not only opened to our desperate, opened to our view, a desperate need for our need to be saved. He has also taught us through the gospel of Christ how it is that his beloved son has done everything to accomplish our salvation through his doing and dying. He justified us alone, beloved. The word of God declares, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. You read that in the first chapter of Hebrews. By himself. This work of salvation is not a collaboration between God and man. The Lord Jesus Christ accomplished our salvation through his doing and dying. Beloved, we are not made righteous by what we do, but rather we are made righteous by what Christ has done. 
We're not justified by what we do, rather, or what we will do. Rather, we're justified by what the Lord Jesus Christ has done by himself. We are justified by the faith of Christ as a man, by his faithfulness, by his uprightness on behalf of his people and for his Father. He has established righteousness here on the earth as a man. As our substitute, the Son of God, established righteousness on the earth as a man on behalf of his people. And we're not made righteous or justified through our own efforts or works, but rather we are justified and made righteous through the finished work of Christ. Everything he did on earth as a man was accomplishing our righteousness. Beloved, he shall not fail to bring judgment to the earth. I want to be judged by Christ, in Christ. And maybe you're wondering what that might look like. What is it like to be judged by Christ? It's such a scary word, judged. I want to show you what what comforts my heart to hear what my Lord and Savior says about me and everyone who puts their trust in Him. Look at first John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, in that first chapter of John, we hear John the Baptist declaring, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And in the very same chapter, in verse 47, we hear the Lamb of God declaring the gospel to one of his precious sheep, Nathaniel. He beholds Nathaniel and he says, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. Now, believer, if you know the plague of your own heart, you know that in you is just a bunch of guile. How is it that our Lord and Savior looks at Nathaniel and says, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. He's looking at one of his precious sheep, washed in his precious blood from before the foundation of the world. That word, no guile, if you look at it in a dictionary, I don't know what dictionary I looked it up in, but it says, uh, without guilt. <laughs> what a blessing to hear the Holy Spirit testify with our spirit that Christ gave his life for us. No guile in the believer. Now today, there's a lot of people that say they're Christian. They aren't Christian. But if you can rejoice with me this morning, you know that all your salvation is found in Christ alone. No one will ever be justified before God through the works of their own life. If any man is to be justified before God, he must hate his own life and love the life that Christ lived out before his Father. Our Lord said, If any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, Yea, in his own life he cannot be my disciple. And you will never truly love Christ until you are made to hate your life and see that all the deeds you have ever done in the flesh to try and reconcile reconcile yourself to God are nothing more than filthy rags. In Mexico they don't have very good plumbing so they don't put the, the toilet paper down the toilet. They put it in a little bucket beside the toilet. If you want to know what our righteousness is like before God, just look in that bucket. Just filthy rags. Filthy rags. And I pray this morning, by God's grace, if you haven't done it already, that you'll flush those filthy rags down the toilet and look to Christ alone for your righteousness. Do you know what it sounds like when someone hates their life? 
you need not you need not look any further than our brother Paul. The apostle's testimony is preserved for us that we might know what that looks like. Our Lord said, "You cannot be my disciple unless you hate your father, your mother, and wife, children, and brethren and sisters." What does that sound like? The Holy Spirit, through His servant Paul, declares, "There is none righteous, no, not one." When God teaches this truth to His people, we are made to know that our fathers and mothers, spouses, and children have never done one act, have never done one righteous thought, have never said one righteous word. Only God's beloved Son has never said that. Only God's beloved Son has always acted righteously, thought righteously, and always spoke righteously. Do you believe that about your mother? Do you believe that about your dad, your children, about everyone? That's what the Word of God says. (laughs) No one is righteous. No, not one. And you can look to everyone you know and say you've not done one righteous thing your whole life. Oh, that's very hateful. Why are you saying that? Because it's true. It's true. The only one who has lived righteously before God is the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. What a marvelous thing God has taught you. There is none righteous, no, not one. Our Lord also said, you cannot be my disciple unless you hate your own life. What does that sound like? Hating your own life. Our brother Paul said, I know in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth no good thing. He also said, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dumb. Paul looked at his whole life and said, you want to sum it up? I'll sum it up for you in one word. Dung. I don't want to be found in my righteousness. I want to be found in the righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ. In, in Canada, and I'm sure in, in the States it's the same, some jobs require that you get a police check done. And you'll go to the precinct and you'll pay some money and they'll do a, a, a background check on you. Paul is saying... I don't want to be found in my record from the time I was born to the time Christ was formed in me to the time I went to glory. I don't want to be found in my own record. I want to be found in the perfect record of the Lord Jesus Christ as He lived upon the earth as a man. That's the righteousness I want to be found in. What a thing. He hated the record of His life so much upon the earth that He put a line through it all and called it down. That's the brother in Christ. Every believer in Christ is given a desire to be found in Him. Not having mine own righteousness, as Paul said, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. Paul is saying, I don't want to be found in my own record. I want to be found in... I don't want to be found in my life. I want to be found in the perfect life of Christ. In the perfect righteousness He established on the earth on behalf of all His people. Paul, as the case as the case is with all of God's people, hate their record so much that God's grace, by, by God's grace, that they're given up to Christ to be cast away. He has taken away our sin. He's taken away our life, and we now live our lives in Christ, our substitute. Our Lord said, "He that loveth his life shall lose it, 
and he that hated his life in this world shall keep it into eternal life. Your life, my life is a mountain of sin that can only be cast into the depths of the sea by that faith he gives us. Look at me at uh, Matthew chapter 21. Beginning in verse 19. And when they saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it. The Lord Jesus Christ came to this fig tree and found nothing thereon but leaves only. And said unto it, Let no fruit grow on thee henceforward forever. And presently the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, If ye have faith and doubt not, you shall not only say this which is done to the fig tree, but also if ye shall say unto this mountain, this, this cursed, cursed mountain that we are. Remember, he just cursed the fig tree. Not a small tree, big tree. And it just crumbled into one big mound. He's talking about this mound, this fig tree. If you have faith, you'll not only be able to say to this fig tree, but also to the mountain of sin we are. All we are is one big mountain of sin. Be thou cast into the sea, it shall be done. And all things whatsoever ye shall ask in prayer, believing ye shall receive. The fig tree is a picture of all the works of the flesh. It amounts to nothing but sin. The Lord came to that fig tree looking for something that was pleasing to him and found nothing. That's what we are. We come with our hands empty, naked, poor, with nothing to commend ourselves to God. We're just nothing but sin. Sin in unbelief when we try to reconcile ourselves to God through our own life rather than the life of the Lamb of God which is the result of no fruit. The only fruit that he had for keeping the law is to look to him who kept and fulfilled the law on our behalf. Christ Jesus the Lord behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Look with me at Micah chapter 7. Micah chapter 7, verses 18 and 19. Well, I'll begin in verse 18. Micah chapter 7, verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever, but he delighteth in mercy. He will not turn again. He will have compassion upon us. He will subdue our iniquities and thou wilt cast all their sins into the depths of the sea. Thou wilt perform the truth to Jacob and the mercy to Abraham, which thou hast sworn unto the fathers from the days of old. Why does God do that? Why does God do? Who does God do that for? To those who are made to receive his gift. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. What a marvelous thing about this picture about our sins being cast into the depths of the sea. It's wonderful. You see, sin can't be in two places, beloved. To you who believe on the Son of God, all your sins have been cast into the depths of the sea to be remembered no more. There is only one life that has reconciled wicked sinners like you. 
and me to God. And that is the life of Christ. He alone is our righteousness. Look at uh, Colossians chapter 1. Verse 21, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked words, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. The only work done in the flesh that ever pleased the Father is the work of his Son. He said, this is my Son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. Beloved, mature believers make this mistake. Not just young believers, but mature believers. They start looking for a work for God to do in your life. Beloved, don't do that. Look away from yourself. You look inwardly, and all you're going to see is a deep, dark well of reasons why God should justly send you to hell. Look away to a work done in the flesh, but not in your flesh, in the flesh of His beloved Son. It's in His beloved Son that we find everything we need to be reconciled to God. And through the preaching of Christ, God makes His people to know that in Christ we are made to be His righteousness, the very righteousness of God. Christ has made unto us sanctification. Our text reads, But of Him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us sanctification. Beloved, God has also made Christ to be our sanctification. Now, what does that mean? over with me at 1st John chapter 4 and verse 17 everyone born from above loves the Lord Jesus Christ we love our head and we we love the body and uh, we don't love like we want to love we want to love more than we do and we always find ourselves you know do it I really love anybody but myself. You know, look at your bank statement. <laughs> Who are you spending money on? Mostly yourself. But isn't this an encouraging thing to hear that our love is the love of Christ? Christ is, is our substitute, beloved. He is our love. We're, our love is perfected in Him. And it says here, Herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Have boldness on that, that death day. We're all going to face... The judgment, whether that's when the Lord returns or when that appointed time comes. And it says here, we're going to have boldness. And it says, because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, that's a very bold thing to say. To stand before the triune God in boldness in the day of judgment without fear and full of confidence. How can anyone have this confidence? Well, our verse declares, because as He is, so are we in this world. That is the, the joy of the believer. That is the peace of the believer. That is how the saints die in joy and in peace. Because Christ is their all in all before the throne of God. Is the Lord righteous? Then I am righteous. Is the Lord holy? 
then I am holy. Is the Lord perfect? Then I am perfect. When Christ obeyed the law, he was found perfectly holy before the law. And all of his beloved people in Christ, they are found guiltless, unblameable, unreprovable before the throne of God. Because when he was living on the earth as a man, he was living out that life for us, beloved. Remember, I I read earlier, he said, he who keeps his life will lose it. What does that mean? If you want to keep your life on that day, you'll lose it. If that's the testimony you want to present before God, your own life, your own filthy rags, you'll lose it. But he said, he who loses his life for my sake will gain it to eternal life. Beloved, by God's undeserved grace, Christ is our life before God. And as he is, so are we right now in this world, although we don't see it. What a marvelous thing to be taught that by God's grace. It's a contradiction to the untaught of God. They think, oh, that's a bunch of silliness. That doesn't make sense to me. How are you saying that Joseph behind this pulpit, you're convinced you're the worst sinner here. And at the same time, I'm just as righteous as you all who believe on Christ. (laughs) Christ is our righteousness. Beloved, we are perfectly holy in Christ. We are complete in Him. We lack nothing. Christ formed in you, the new man that never sins and walks after the Spirit, is daily confessing and grieving and owning over the sin that dwells in this body of flesh. That is our hope of glory, beloved, to be found in Christ. Through the preaching of Christ, God makes His people to know that in Christ we are made to be His sanctification. Christ has made unto us redemption. We've looked at a few words in this text. It's such a, I, I know many of you know this, this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. And it's such a blessing. It's never tiresome to look at this again and again. This is the gospel of our salvation. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us redemption. We've looked at Wisdom, righteousness, and sanctification. And we'll look at this one last word here. Redemption. Beloved, God has also made Christ to be our redemption. Now, what does that mean? Look with me at Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. And we read in verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. I pray the Lord will teach you what this word purchased possession, these words, what they mean here. There's a lot of comfort to be had in understanding those two little words, purchase possession. <coughs> when I redeem something, I redeem something I already purchased. Something that is legally speaking, it's, it's mine. And when I redeem it, it is, it is given to me because it's already my possession. For example, I purchased a, a sofa from a furniture store recently. And after my purchase, I was giving, uh, given a voucher that proved that the sofa was legally mine. And at the appointed time, the men who delivered the sofa to my house asked me for my voucher. And I redeemed my purchase possession into my house. That's a very poor analogy. 
to use to describe the redemption we have in Christ Jesus. But it might help you to understand Christ being made to be our redemption. First of all, the gospel of Jesus Christ is not that he gave his life a ransom to redeem uh, or, or to purchase a possibility of salvation for everyone in the world. There's a... I think the false gospel could be best summed up with that one word, possibility. Possibility, you know, gospel by chance. They believe that G- Jesus Christ gave his life a ransom to make salvation possible for everyone. That's not the gospel, beloved. He has a purchased possession, a particular people. And when the Lord Jesus Christ spoke of his redemption, he said, the Son of Man did not come into the world to, to, to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. <laughs> I'm so glad he didn't say for few. But if you're thinking here this morning that he gave his life for everyone, you get that thought out of your head. Well, you won't do it. The Lord will do it. <laughs> like I said earlier, it's the Lord who will put your theology in order. The gospel is that Christ gave his life a ransom to purchase a possession. His beloved people. He, it, the, the scriptures are replete with this truth. And the only way you'll be able to, to, to receive it and believe it, it's very plain, it's very simple. I'm not here to impress anybody with some, some bizarre point. It's very simple. The Lord Jesus Christ said, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. And I give them eternal life and they'll never perish. That is salvation, beloved. As you can hear him say, The shepherd give his life for the sheep. Oh, it's nothing... It's not a theological point. It's just the truth. (laughs) And you receive it and you believe it by grace. Now, we could get into terms like limited atonement, particular redemption, and all that theology. But it's much easier just to simply hear Jesus and believe him. He didn't say he gave his life a ransom for, for everyone. He gave his life a ransom for his people. His purchased possession are his people out of the world, a chosen people, Chosen according to the good pleasure of his will. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd giveth his life for the sheep. I lay down my life for the sheep. Beloved, that's the hope of our day of redemption. That when that we will hear our king say, Come ye blessed of my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the, before the foundation of the world. Did you hear that, beloved? Not only has he purchased your salvation. He has prepared a place for you in his kingdom. What a blessing to know We are his purchased possession. That's our earnest hope until the day of redemption when it will be made known under the praise of his glory that indeed we are his purchased possession. God's people look forward to that day with earnestness. The day we will inherit him and he will inherit us where we will enjoy him forever in his kingdom. I'm going to try to remember this not in my notes but I, I feel the liberty to talk about it when the Lord said to the thief on the cross he said today you will be with me in paradise you can't have paradise without him <laughs> what a blessing to hear the Lord Jesus Christ say that to one of his chosen sheep and then have us hear it again here this morning and believe Jesus Christ is our hope of having to be in his presence for all eternity And it's through the preaching of Christ, God makes his people to know that in Christ we are made to be his redemption. Now, I didn't look at this verse, 
uh, earlier, but I think it sums up very well this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. All the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 21, we read about Adam and Eve being clothed. <laughs> clothed by God himself. What a, what a picture of the gospel. If you came across Adam and Eve and you asked them, now that's a really nice covering you got on there. Where'd you get it? Well, they would tell whoever asked them, the Lord not only made it for me, he clothed me in it. I didn't, I didn't button the button. I didn't zip up the zipper. He clothed me in this covering. And on our verse here, but of him, of him are we in Christ Jesus. Of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. The word of God declares, of God are ye in Christ Jesus. Now, what evidence is there that I am in Christ? How can I know that? I mean, I, I know everyone here would like to know the answer to that question. Even if you've already believed on him, you want to hear it again. How can I know that I'm in Christ? By looking at myself? No. The only evidence is that I believe Christ. Salvation is found in a person, beloved, Christ Jesus the Lord. The only evidence that I'm saved is that I'm depending right now as I speak behind this pulpit on the Lord Jesus Christ. He is my only hope of being saved. And that's the evidence that I am in Christ, united with Him. It's a daily rebirth, isn't it, beloved? You, you wake up, it's a new day, His mercies are new every morning, and you find yourself believing on Christ. That Christ is your all in all before God. What a, what a blessing. The only evidence that you are in Christ is that you believe Him. The Word of God continues in our uh, verse we're looking at there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. What, what evidence is that, that Christ has been made my wisdom, my righteousness, my sanctification, and my redemption? What evidence is there that my mountain of sin and iniquity has been cast into the depths of the sea to be remembered no more? I have a whole bunch of notes here. I should just skip them all. (laughs) The Lord Jesus Christ is a sovereign, successful Savior. And if you believe on him this morning by his undeserved grace, then Christ is your all in all. That, that's what it's saying here in this, in this passage. When it goes through all these points of Christ being our wisdom, our, our sanctification, our redemption, our, our, our all in all, it's Christ is everything for us. Christ is everything for us. I'm concerned about the time, so I'll just conclude. These last thoughts. Well, I'd rather not conclude my thoughts. Let's conclude with the conclusion of this chapter. Turn back to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30. But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God has made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. And according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory 
in the Lord. Adam and Eve, how is it you are wearing that fine covering? The Lord clothed me. (laughs) Believer, how is it you find yourself in Christ this morning? The Lord clothed me in Christ. He has made him to be my all in all. He has made me to be my wisdom and righteousness and sanctification. Amen.